I'm Emma Gray, and welcome to Rich Text, a podcast about our cultural obsessions, like Britney Spears' new memoir. If you're listening today, you're already a paid subscriber to our audio and written newsletter, Rich Text. Thank you for being here. As always, you quite literally make our work possible. I'm here today with my friend and author, Allison Greenberg. A little shout out, go check out her new book, maybe once, maybe twice. But today she is here so that we can dive into our initial thoughts on The Woman in Me, Brittany's new memoir, which we both absolutely devoured. Devoured. I listened to the audiobook because I could not pass up an opportunity to listen to Academy Award winning actor Michelle Williams voice Brittany. Like, also voice it's Justin. Perfect. Her voice of Justin is really and, what should earn her yeah, another do Academy Yeah, Brittany Award. doing an impression of Justin Timberlake, which I think I will throw in a, a clip of, of that at some point in this podcast. Necessary. It's so good. So before we dig into the memoir, Allison, I'm curious, what was your relationship to Britney Spears? I think we both kind of grew up alongside Britney. You're a couple of years older than me, but she was a very large force. She was in it. The like, late 90s and early aughts. She was it. Like she was, I feel like the first female pop star that was almost my age, a little bit older, but who we were looking up to. Our moms, you know, were like, this is bubblegum pop. So I was allowed to listen to it. And she was, for me, she was it. I remember my dad taking me to her concert. Like, I think he might have enjoyed it even more than I did. She was everything. And then we watched her crumble and we stood on the sidelines. And I want to say we thought it was salacious. We didn't have mental health conversations about her. I just, the whole time reading the book, I was like, oh, I remember seeing her on Rolling Stone. I remember idealizing her and I remember not being kind to her when I should have been. It was a very, I felt very guilty reading this book. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like I had a really fraught relationship with Brittany. Like I was low-key obsessed with her. I would make up choreography to Baby One More Time in my best friend's bedroom. We would listen to the CD. And at the same time, I was resentful of how much it felt like she, which I now know is the industry behind her and the way she was positioned but like how much she was pandering to girls our age of like this is the ideal this is how you should be it felt like this oppressive message coming from Britney but now I obviously understand that that image isn't even who she was at the time or even maybe who she wanted to be seen as at the time it was a construction by a bunch of men who wanted to make a lot of money and saw a cash cow And it is so interesting reading this and reading Jessica Simpson sort of side by side because these are two women who came up together. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If anyone has not read or listened to Jessica Simpson's memoir, highly recommend it. And she actually reads her own audiobook. And it's just it's so good. It's so good. It's one of the best memoirs I've ever read. And I tell that to people and they laugh at me in the face, but I don't care. I agree. It's It's genuinely so smart. But it's so interesting to see how, you know, she could never be Britney. But then I look at Britney and I'm like, God, poor Britney. Britney didn't even know who she was. These women came up together and had very similar tracks. And they were both these white men behind them, these big, rich men behind them, telling them who they would be and what they should wear. And you think of how young they were. It's just horrifying, actually. 
Yeah, both of them began performing as very much literal children. Britney's single for Baby One More Time dropped September 98. Okay. And she was 16, I think, at the time. I think she signed with Jive Records at 15. And it's funny because I'm just the amount younger than her that she seemed so old to me. But she was also a child. She seemed older than she was, always. And the media took a lot of pleasure in positioning her as this titillating virgin, as like this thing to be consumed because of her alleged purity. I use that in quotes. It gave a lot of license for a lot of really disgusting commentary by adults about her. And at the same time, those of us who are more her peers were grappling with like, is that who we should try to be as we get older? And it's such a fraught time looking back, like the culture that we grew up in, it's sort of horrifying. 99 is sort of when Us Weekly came on the scene. I feel like it's when it blew up to where it was just really, really, really getting to be this vile money-making machine. And that's when she started to become famous. And it all yeah, coincided. Yeah, it's the same year Christina Aguilera's album dropped, Mandy Moore also 99 Jessica Simpson's Destiny's Child I think was around the same time so yeah you have all of these very young women these girls who are being positioned as women in the public eye and sort of being capitalized on and her video being in this schoolgirl uniform right and saying I am actually like a teenager I am a high schooler and then everyone putting her on this pedestal of but you can't be a normal high schooler, right? You have to be the queen of pop. She they wanted her to she be was. a high schooler in the sense that men, adult men, wanted to be titillated. Yes, yes. It's okay if you want to fuck a high fuck schooler this that they wanted to fuck. Yes, it's yes, totally okay exactly. that you wanted to fuck this 16-year-old because we have put her in this position to make you want to fuck her, but also she's a virgin. Your children should look up to her. Like, she was so many things to so many people. And a lot in this memoir, I think, is is deconstructing that. And, yes. and when at those moments, I think it's at its strongest. What were your feelings overall about the memoir? I want to be clear. We've both just read it one time. So we're not going to touch on every point or every theme that came up in the book. But overall, how did you feel about it at the end? While I was reading it, I thought it had her voice down pat. There's ghostwriters for almost all these memoirs. And I thought, OK, this sounds like Britney. It's very sweet. It's very simple. It's, you know, the way she speaks. Halfway through the book, I didn't want to keep going. Not because I wasn't interested or invested. It was because I knew what was coming. And it was just deeply sad to me. Deeply sad. I left the book enraged toward her father, mainly, and toward society for making her this person. I feel like we all did this to her in a way. But her family really did it to her. And I've never wanted peace for somebody I don't know so badly. I just want peace for her. How did you feel? It was sad. It was deeply sad. I felt very sad. Top to bottom, I'm like, this is a tragic story. Yes. And this is also a story coming out from someone who is still processing a lot of what's happened to them and still figuring out what it 
looks like moving forward. She had her separation a few months ago or divorce a few months ago. So right. It's, it's... So the book really ends on this note that is talking so much about her expanding her family with her husband. And then, of course, we know that that relationship has fallen apart since then. It left me both sad and gripped and invested in her and also I had a lot more questions because I think this book is really thin on details in a lot of areas that makes you be like wait how did that happen what are the mechanics of that like say more especially around the conservatorship and who knows how much legal stuff played into that but it left me with a lot of lingering questions well her continually saying that she was bad Like, you know, you know, my family did this to me. I didn't deserve it, but also I was bad. And I'm like, can we go more into what your definition of bad is, Brittany? Like, what what do you mean by that? Yeah. Were you throwing normal tantrums that you never got to throw as a teenager? I feel like she never got to be a teenager. And it got me thinking Brittany had to be so perfect and so sweet and so kind. She had this persona at 16 where she never got to act out. So I feel like now in her 40s, she's like, finally free of the shackles of her family. She realizes this box she was put into. And so she's walking around her house naked. She's Instagramming what she wants. It's not like she's throwing an adult temper tantrum, but it's like the acting out she never got to do and the freedom she never got to have. She's getting that now. And everyone's still so worried about her. But I'm like, I think this person needs to go through that. She's recalibrating. And that's really clear. And I was struck by how much in the book she talks about... Her adultification as a child and then her infantilization as an adult. Yes. And like how much that would damage a person. And there is something really childlike about her voice, especially from what we see on Instagram. I know journalist Sam Lansky, who's very talented, was one of her ghostwriters. I don't know if there's more than one, but sometimes the voice felt very much her and sometimes it felt like how much of this analysis is the ghostwriters and how much of it is hers like I found myself wondering that how much is therapy it almost seemed like I was in a therapy session with Brittany and she'd come to these realizations about herself which I think happens when you have a ghostwriter in front of you you start to unpack things and see them that's a good this real lens and how much of this is the free Britney movement who've been yelling these things at her the whole time? Like, you are not what the media makes you out to be. You're not who your family wants to cage in. Like, this book is her coming to terms with who she was and who she wasn't allowed to be and who she believes she wants to be. Yeah. Her book is basically just a series of traumas and betrayals enacted upon her predominantly by men. The book starts diving into her family history, which I actually found this to be some of the most illuminating and interesting parts of the book because like so much about the conservatorship has been in popular media the last few years. Like we've been very aware of it. And so I was fascinated by some of the stuff about her childhood. You know, she talks about how her father was an abusive alcoholic essentially since she was a very young and barely present in her life she also talks about kind of those echoes of generational trauma you just listened to a free preview of this week's rich text podcast if you like what you heard and you want to listen to the rest of this week's podcast and our entire rich text back catalog you can become a paying subscriber at claire and emma 
www.substack.com. If not, you can still enjoy our free weekly recommendations. Rich Text is hosted, produced, and edited by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray. You can find the written version of Rich Text at claireandemma.substack.com. You can find us on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod, and you can find our other podcast, Love to See It, over at Stitcher and wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on TikTok and Twitter at Love to See It Pod. You can also find us individually at Claire E. Fallon and at Emma Lady Rose. Thanks for listening. <laughs>